It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. I am so glad you are here. I don't know about you, but the last couple weeks has been all sorts of fun for me. I alluded to the fact I was heading to Whidbey Island. That's northwest Washington, Puget Sound. Beautiful place called Fort Casey State Park. Used to be an old coastal fortification for the Army designed to protect Seattle and the shipyards in the area. That was way back in the 1890s. Today, it is a place to go to soak in history. History, great views of Puget Sound, do some camping, eat some great food at a nearby cafe, go crabbing, and catch pink salmon. Got to do all the above over several days and got to do so with two great friends, Sarah and Beth. Wonderful time and followed that up with some great time at the homestead with a bunch of friends who came over for the Labor Day weekend and I even got out to go dove hunting with my best friend Rusty Johnston on opening day. And by the way, Rusty, He's a lot better shot than I am. This week on the show, we've got some fun stuff to share with you and some good news, too. I once again entered several interviews that I recorded over the last year into the Outdoor Writers Association of America's Excellence in Craft Contest in the audio category. Every year I do this, I'm going up against some very good professional media communicators who do both radio and podcasting, and I'm happy to report that in the family participation category, we came out in first place with an interview we did with Rue Mapp. She is the founder of Outdoor Afro and the author of a book called Nature Swagger, and she is all about getting fellow people of color, specifically black people, into nature and into the outdoors. You'll hear from her towards the end of our program today. Another woman you'll hear from today is Jessica Turner. She is the president of the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable. She's got some great news about a new plan by the Bureau of Land Management that's going to prioritize outdoor recreation, something that's very good news for us as outdoors enthusiasts who love to recreate on millions of acres of public land managed by the BLM. What else do we have for you? Well, how about an in-depth conversation about crappie fishing during the month of September? We're going to do that with Brad Chapel. He is the man behind the Crappie Connection. You really should check out his YouTube channel. He is also a fishing guide out of Mississippi. And if you want to go fishing with him, you go to his website at bradchapelguideservice.com. And Chapel is spelled with two P's and two L's. Brad is a encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to crappie fishing, and we're going to do a deep dive with him that's going to cover two segments of our show today. By the way, this portion of the show is brought to you every week by our friends at Henry Repeating Arms, and with hunting season coming up quick, now is the time to get a new firearm from Henry Repeating Arms that's made in America, that is reliable, that's rugged, that looks great, and is accurate right out of the box. Check out their entire lineup of rifles and handguns and shotguns at henryusa.com. That's henryusa.com. And don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalog while you're there. 
Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we've got Jessica Turner on the line. She is the president of the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable. She's based near Washington, D.C., and she's got some really good news about things that are happening with the Bureau of Land Management, an agency that manages some 245 million acres of public land throughout our nation. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I understand the Bureau of Land Management has come up with a blueprint for the 21st century when it comes to outdoor recreation. And I also understand that this is something we should be kind of excited about. Yeah, I think for an agency that manages 240 million surface acres and 700 million subsurface acres, I like to point that out, a ton of land underneath us all, this is a wonderful step forward for prioritizing recreation and not just looking at reactive ways to manage our public lands and waters for the future, but looking at really proactive measures that will lead to the sustainable use of public lands and waters for all types of outdoor recreation activities. It's important to note that outdoor recreation of pretty much every category from snowmobiling to skiing, hiking, biking, ATVing, and climbing can all happen on BLM lands. So it's a really important part of our recreation economy. I've always kind of got the impression that outdoor recreation has been an afterthought when it comes to how the Bureau of Land Management handles their lands. Is that true? have a one of the most multi-use missions of any agency and so unless you are you know putting together real policy and budgets that align with you know increasing recreation access and opportunities it does become sort of an afterthought whether or not that was the intention of past administrations that you know I don't think it was I think a lot of administrations care about recreation and see the benefits of an 862 billion dollar national recreation economy but unless you're putting all of those policies and kind of your money where your mouth is with that it does often go you know under the other categories that are a little bit more traditional on BLM land. Well, I guess one good thing that came out of the COVID pandemic is a lot more people are enjoying the outdoors these days, not just fishing and hunting, but like you said, all sorts of other things too. A lot of it is happening on our public lands, and I'm glad to see that the Bureau of Land Management is going to start prioritizing outdoor recreation. Why don't you give us some examples of what this looks like in a couple of the states where this is happening now? example is looking at visitation and trying to get better data. I mean, the BLM even acknowledging they might not have the best, most sophisticated data is a great first step. How can we manage for recreation users if we don't know who's going to our public lands, why they're going, when they're going, where they're going, or what recreation activities they're participating in? We need to get up to 21st century data standards on our federal lands, especially in the BLM, where a lot of places are backcountry or, you know, they're not uh, going through an entrance way where we're counting them so we can have the tools and resources available for supporting those recreation uses and the staff and training and everything that goes along with it. So I think a great example is kind of around the data piece, the accessibility, the looking at partnerships to help get things done. That's that's probably the second piece that I'd really call out is we know we don't have funding to do as much as we need to do on 245 million acres of land. What are the creative ways that we can look at? And it's not going to be, you know, just one solution, but what are the myriad of solutions that can help us get to a better, more well-funded recreation program with the BLM, utilizing partnerships, utilizing the new foundation that's been set up for BLM, the cores. There's a lot of great 
examples of working with youth corps and tribal youth corps uh, to get much-needed work done on the lands while also creating the next generation of BLM workforce and hopefully stewards of our natural resources. And I understand that one state where a partnership is happening and some good things are happening for us as outdoors enthusiasts is Arizona. Why don't you tell us what's going on there? Yeah, they have a great example in Arizona with developing recreational shooting sites because of the demand there. So we saw, as you mentioned during COVID, more people getting outside than ever. And recreational shooting is really one of those growth areas. And so planning and preparing for the first ever BLM-developed recreational target shooting site. It opened in the fall of 2022, and it offers, you know, a, a many different sports, but certainly has a focus on shooting, the safety, you know, having the right things available, so firearm lineups and concrete pads and also restrooms so that people can go there. They can know this is a good place to learn or maybe, you know, practice. And then also other people on the lands know that there's a dedicated space, making them feel safer when they're participating in their activities. All right. Well, folks, if you want to find out more about this blueprint, just go to blm.gov and just look for Blueprint for the 21st Century Outdoor Recreation. You'll get the entire blueprint there. You'll get to see some of the partnerships that are happening in a whole bunch of our states where the BLM is managing land. And I guess with 30 seconds left, why don't you tell us a little bit about the organization you work for? Outdoor Recreation Roundtable is the nation's leading coalition of all outdoor recreation activities. So we represent about 40 national associations, everything from hunting and fishing to biking, hiking, skiing, snowmobiling, RVing, and boating, and really everything in between. About 110,000 businesses in our sphere, and we make up that 862 billion recreation economy that employs 4.5 million Americans. Well, thank you for advocating on our behalf and sharing this great news with us. Definitely a win and good news for all of us who love recreating on our public lands. Jessica, thanks again for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks for having us. Immerse yourself in a complete Alaska wilderness experience through Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Up to six of you will spend a week in a beautiful waterfront log home in a secluded cove. Every day is a new adventure. Go on a guided fishing trip or haul in a bounty of shrimp and crab. Visit a Native American village where totem poles are carved. Go on a whale or bear watching trip and return back to your very own place at the end of the day. Find out more about the Alaska wilderness experience at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer an affordable platform to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting host John Cruz through his website at AmericanOutdoorsRadio.com. That's AmericanOutdoorsRadio.com. But hurry, if you wait too long, this big opportunity might just get away. That's AmericanOutdoorsRadio.com.
I'm Anthony Imperato, president of Henry Repeating Arms. Patriotic Americans are looking to protect and provide for their families now more than ever. Henry has over 200 rifles and shotguns to choose from. Made in America or not made at all. And backed by a lifetime guarantee. Order a free catalog, decals, and a list of Henry dealers in your area. Go to HenryUSA.com or call 1-800-958-4993. Thank you and God bless America. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Brad Chappell on the line. He and his oldest son, Hunter, are the two behind the Crappie Connection. And this is a YouTube channel you definitely need to check out if you want to be a better crappie angler. Brad, welcome to the show. Man, I appreciate you inviting me on. Well, I am hitting you up all the way down south in Mississippi to talk crappie fishing during the month of September because you put out a, yeah. a really good video about five crappie setups you really ought to consider for this month. Why don't we run through them together, start off with the first one you'd recommend. Yeah, absolutely, and it really became one of my favorite methods for the past two or three years, and it's, it's casting brush piles with little bitty jig heads, and I'm talking a 1-16th and a 1-32nd, and I keep them tied apart about 10 to 12 inches apart. And I have the 116th ounce. And then on the end of the line, I have the 132nd ounce. And I'm using itty-bit jig heads and itty-bit slab hunters made by Bobby Garland Bates, which they're only about an inch bait. They're very small, has a really good action. And by far, it has been totally deadly for August and September for me. Let's talk about the body that they have. I mean, you know, there's yeah. all sorts of different jigs out there from swim tail jigs to curly tail jigs to tube jigs. What kind of body does this itty bit jig have? Well, it's real similar to a just a small profile of a, a minnow. And it's only an inch and a quarter and has a little tail that's kind of up and down. And as it's being pulled through the water... It goes back and forth just like a fin would do. So it has a really lifelike action whenever it's getting, you know, drugged back to the boat. That's setup number one. What's setup number two for September? Yeah. You know, it goes back to the roots of crappie fishing and me, and it's casting flip bobbers to brush piles. And it kind of gives those fish that don't want to move at all, gives them the opportunity to, to go ahead and just have it sitting in front of them and almost spoon feeding them, I say, to clients is, you know, we want to put that bait right in their face, let it sit there, very little movement for those lazy fish. And they can just kind of pick it up and with the right setup, with a thrill bobber matched up with a 116th ounce jig head and it's just sitting there perfectly balanced, no thought process on hooking it up. And it detects those little bites that crappie are really known for and helps me put them in the boat every day. Do you tip these jigs with a little bit of worm or night crawler or any other bait or even scent? I do not typically. Every now and then we'll add some scent to it. Bobby Garland Bates has a product called Slab Jam that we'll put on there occasionally. But, you know, a lot of times in my mind is if you have the right profile and you right color jigs on the hook, you know, that's typically all you need. And the right action, of course. So if you have those three ingredients scent kind of goes back to the wayside for me. I, I very rarely use live bait ever. Okay, good to know. So, we've got 
casting and retrieving the itty bit jig. We've got yeah. fishing jigs under slip bobbers. What else do you got for me? You know, something unique probably for, uh, you know, far up north for you guys is pulling crankbaits. I've been pulling crankbaits for crappie for, I'm going to say, right at 15 years now. And it's almost like walleye fishing because we're using line counter reels and going by charts and, and really trying to identify what heights that we see fish suspended out. And typically we're looking for fish that are, you know, out in the water column and just sitting there floating pretty much, and we're on to bring these crankbaits and these Bandit 300s right over their head, and it's a reaction strike in my mind. It's kind of like if you have a uh, a lab dog or, you know, any kind of retriever dog, and you throw a ball, their natural instinct from really a puppy on up is just to grab it, to go get it. And a lot of times, if you have that right bait coming at, you know, coming by a crappie at the right speed, their natural reaction is to strike it, and that's what we're trying to do with these Bandit 300 crankbaits. And another really cool thing that Lurenet come up with, they have a custom paint shop, and they went to Bobby Garland Baits and took out some of their best colors that they've been using for years for regular jig heads and jig bodies and put them into Bandit 300 oh. crankbaits. And we've got five colors right now available that... Man, they're just deadly for crappie fishing. They're just matching them up. And whenever these fish hit them, it's the right color at the right time for them kind of deal. There you go. Folks, you are listening to America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We're talking to Brad Chapel. He's with the Crappie Connection, and he's sharing five setups you can use this month to catch crappie. You know, sticking with the crankbaits for a minute, when I was watching the video, I was surprised by the size of the crankbaits. I was looking yep. at those thinking, that's pretty much the same size I use for smallmouth bass. We're not talking oh, yeah. little teeny crankbaits, are we? No, definitely not. I mean, these are Bandit 300 crankbaits. They're, from the bill probably to the backside of the bait itself, it's three inches. I mean, it's a, it's a big size. A lot of guys have been using bandit-sized crankbait for bass fishing forever, and we kind of started pulling them for crappie down here in Mississippi, and they're in the south a lot because they just work. I mean, it has the right wobble, the right sound. It sounds like a bait coming through them, and you might think, well, you're only catching really big crappie doing that, and honestly, we catch crappie from all sizes. It's, it's kind of a a thing that it's just a natural reaction for these fish to strike. All right. So crankbaits, itty-bit jigs, and fishing jigs under slip bobbers. What's number four? You know, vertically fishing deep brush fouls. And typically for me, when I'm thinking of deep, I'm thinking of really 18 and deeper. A lot of times these fish will sit on brush fouls, and it's hard to get those itty-bit jigs or even a slip bobber down to that depth. So we kind of have to change up things whenever we want to target those fish. So we're wanting to vertically jig deep timber or deep brush fouls, more or less. And it's a couple of different things that I use on that setup. I'm using two one sixteenth ounce jig heads, and I have those tied about two foot apart. Mm-hmm. And I'm using loop knots to tie that set up, those two jig heads. On the bottom is just a, a different color, a different presentation to the top jig, but I'm having about two foot apart, and I'm wanting to bring those baits directly underneath the boat. I don't want them to cast them in a far distance or anything like that because I want a certain presentation. We're going to get up and close and personal with those fish, so we're going to drop it right on their head to say, and entice them up out of those brush piles, and a lot of times all you'll feel is, a little tick or a little, just a little nick on your pole. 
And the pole of choice for that one is going to be a 11 foot six a Gary Hancock series made by Power Crappie. It just has a really good stiff backbone and a light tip. So whenever you feel that tip, you can really drive those dig heads home and you know match them on into the boat. Have you ever? tried you know when you're talking about this vertical jigging method i immediately yeah. think of lures like blade baits or jigging yep. spoons have you tried those do those work for crappie too this time of year yeah they do that's also another really good option to do as far as fishing deep vertical brush as well i really like using jig bodies a little bit more because i can change them out really quick as sure. far as a profile and a color so if i drop down and i'm not getting a reaction and I'm fishing it for, let's say, two minutes, and those fish are not hitting it, I can reach down and say, all right, I just tried a two-inch bait. I'm going to go to a, a itty-bit, a Bobby Golden itty-bit bait, or even the opposite way of things and put a three-inch bait. So it gives me an option to really change the profile and the color of those baits extremely fast by not using a blade of bait. All right, well, folks, I know you want to hear the fifth technique to catch crappie in September, but you're going to have to wait for this commercial break because we're out of time. In the meantime, go ahead and check out the Crappie Connection on YouTube. You can also go to the Crappie Connection on Facebook and find out what Brad and Hunter Chapel have for you when it comes to catching crappie. Brad, stick around. I've got more questions yep. for you. All right. Explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here for you. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at AmericaOutdoorsRadio.com. That's AmericaOutdoorsRadio.com. Hurry, though. If you wait too long, the big opportunity might get away. Welcome back to America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Brad Chapel with the Crappie Connection is back with us to talk about the five techniques you can use during the month of September to catch crappie. Now, we've already talked about casting and retrieving the itty-bit jig. We have talked about fishing jigs under slip bobbers. We have talked about using crankbaits to catch crappie in the month of September. And we've talked about vertically jigging for them. But we ran out of time before we get number five. So, Brad, i got to ask, what is the fifth and final technique you recommend for catching crappie during the month of September? You know, it's a technique called power trolling. It's a very aggressive technique that kind of helps me get out and cover a lot of water and also helps me learn that body of water really quickly. But I'm using a two-ounce lead sinker, and then below that lead sinker, I'm going to go down three foot with a leader line and tie on a one-eighth to a quarter-ounce jig head. And even what's another factor with this is about two to three inches, no, excuse me, two to three feet above the lead sinker, 
I'm going to use a uh, loop knot and actually clip it and tie on either a minnow hook or another jig head, and I'm going to power troll these baits out the front of the boat and off the side of them. And I'm talking speeds anywhere from 1.2. Some guys go as fast as up to 2 miles an hour whenever they're doing this. And it's a total reaction strike, kind of like pulling crankbaits. A lot of guys actually power troll and pull crankbaits at the same time. But, you know, you're covering a lot of water, going really fast, and looking for aggressive strikes. You know, whenever these fish hit these baits, it's not going to be a, a little tap or anything like that. If they hit it, more than likely they're going to be hooked, and you're going to need to pull them in. Poles of choice. You know, you need a stiff pole when it comes to this. My recommendation would be a 16-foot B&M Pro Troller. They're just a... We're really designed for this technique because it takes a little stiff pole to handle about two ounce or three ounce weight. Sure. So here's a question for you. Once you start getting strikes from the crappie with this power trolling method, is this a situation where you stop and transition to one of these other methods to find the school and work the school? Or is this more like, well, they're not biting on these other methods, so we're going to power troll them and get these reaction strikes? Well, you know, a lot of times I'm going to keep power trolling. I've always been told that if something's working, don't change it up. True. So if I'm getting fish in the boat, more than likely I'm not going to change it. Now, I'm going to try to identify if they're sitting on the ledge or sitting out in a particular depth of water and there's more water in the same area that I'm fishing that I can really attack. Because, like I said, this is an aggressive technique, and I'm wanting to attack this area to say, so I'm going to really try to key in what's going on and why I'm getting bit in a particular area and not. But if it's working, don't change it. So I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to slow down. Now, more than likely, I might go down, let's say, five, 600 yards, and if I don't get bit, I'm going to turn the boat right around and go right back through that area again. Sure. It's just you're really getting after them to say with this power trolling technique. Well, there you go. Five techniques to use during the month of September for crappie. Let's talk a little bit about the crappie connection and the YouTube channel yep. you have and what folks are going to see there. You know, we have everything you can imagine for as the crappie connection goes. We've been doing it about four years ago. My son and I kind of come up with it because we love crappie fishing, one, and we were able to produce it, so we went after it. But we talked from biologists to tournament anglers to everyday fishermen and also even on the manufacturer side of things to how do they come up with bait colors how do they produce them and how do these guys win these tournaments and it's from everything you can imagine when it comes to crappie fishing is what we discussed definitely all the techniques that we've talked about today they've all been discussed multiple times from different pros on how they do them as well it's just a uh, fun thing to do for me and you are hooked up with certain retailers, specifically LureNet.com, and you got a special yes. going right now, don't you? We do, definitely. On those Bandit 300 Bobby Garland colors, we got 15% off for you guys. It's good right now. I would definitely think if you ever thought about pulling crankbaits for crappie, you definitely want to go snatch these up while they still have them available. The discount code is CrappieConnection15, and as simple as that, I mean... I would definitely advise looking at monkey milk, purple monkey, and Cajun cricket would be probably be my top three if you wanted those. But definitely, if you're thinking about pulling crankbaits from crappie, check out LureNet.com. Use the crappie connection code 15. Save you a little bit of money. Go pull some crankbaits. I love it. Last but not least, you hail from Mississippi, and you're a full-time crappie guide. What is yes. the body of water that you fish, and what does a day on the water look like with you? You know, 
I got mainly on Ross Barnett Reservoir in central Mississippi, outside of Ridgeland, Mississippi. Our typical day is, I'm going to say, 30 to 40 keepers. Our keepers range in size from, I'm going to say, 11 inches all the way up to some 16 inches. We have a lot of black crappie, white crappie. Last Friday, I actually caught a really nice hybrid crappie as well. So we've got great fishing. I see next spring being a record breaker in year as far as really big fish goes so mississippi is known for big crappie fishing and this lake has them too well i'll tell you what next time i'm coming down to mississippi i'm definitely going fishing with you yeah. do you have a website in addition to the crappie connection facebook page for people to contact you i do i have a facebook page as well brad chapel guide service but also you can look me up on the internet and i have a web page as well and it's just brad chapel guide service easy to remember look me up I love taking anybody fishing. It's it's my passion. It's what I do. All right. Brad Chapel Guideservice.com. Chapel, spelled with two P's and two L's. Two L's. That's Brad Chapel Guideservice.com. If you find yourself in central Mississippi, you really need to go fishing with Brad. And if you're not in central Mississippi, just check out his YouTube channel at the Crappie Connection, and you are going to learn all sorts of good stuff about crappie fishing. And don't forget to take advantage of that discount code. Crappie Connection 15 at LureNet.com for some crankbaits. It'll help you catch some fish this month. Brad, thanks for sharing all of this today on America Outdoors Radio. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. Well, now that you've got some great advice about catching crappie, hopefully you can go out there and catch a whole mess of them. And when you do, you know you're going to have to clean them. And the job gets a lot easier if you have a sharp fillet knife. And how do you sharpen it? With a knife sharpener from WorkSharp. You can either use an electric model. They've got a whole line of kitchen knife sharpeners. I've got one on my counter that I use all the time on my cutlery, including my fillet knife. And I've got a guided field sharpener that I use when I'm out in the field. So if you're at the fish cleaning station or just on the bank of the river or the lake, that works just fine too. Either way, WorkSharp makes your life easier on the water and when you get off the water and need to clean those fish. So look for electric and manual knife sharpeners from WorkSharp at their website at WorkSharpTools.com or at quality sporting goods stores all over the United States. The website again, WorkSharpTools.com. Since we're talking about crappie, I thought I'd look up what the world records are for crappie. And I found my answer through an article published last year in Outdoor Life. The record black crappie is a 5-pound, 7-ounce fish caught by Lionel Jam Ferguson on May 15, 2018 in Loudoun County, Tennessee. little body of water called Rich Eisen Pond. The fish was over 19 inches long with an 18-inch girth and Ferguson was using a Shakespeare rod and a Fluger reel with six-pound Zepco line, and that crappie was caught using a jig. As for the white crappie, boy, oh boy, this is a record that has stood the test of time. A five-pound, three-ounce fish caught way back on July 31st, 1957 by Fred Bright. He caught the fish at Enid Dam in Mississippi, which seems appropriate given the location for our last interview. And this white crappie was 21 inches long, had a 19-inch girth, and it was caught on an action rod with a Dennison Johnson reel spooled with Ashaway line. I have heard of none of those three in my lifetime, but they definitely did the job back then. And again, that crappie has stood the test of time. Stick around, we've got more of the outdoors coming your way. 
to include efforts to get a more diversified group into our great outdoors. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstances, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the darkest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true. To provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities, Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference. That's huntofalifetime.org. I'm Anthony Imperato, president of Henry Repeating Arms. Patriotic Americans are looking to protect and provide for their families, now more than ever. Henry has over 200 rifles and shotguns to choose from, made in America or not made at all, and backed by a lifetime guarantee. Go to HenryUSA.com and order our free catalog, decals, and a list of dealers in your area. That's HenryUSA.com. Thank you, and God bless America. Campers, adventure seekers, hunters, and foodies. No matter the lifestyle, we can all agree on one thing. Great food and great people are worth remembering. At Camp Chef, we don't just make grills. We create each product knowing that a warm meal is always better when it's shared with those we love. Learn more about Camp Chef grills, smokers, and portable cooking equipment at CampChef.com. That's CampChef.com for a better way to cook outdoors. Why book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge? Why is Alaska like no other place on earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. Attention small business owners, this could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You could recover up to $26,000 per employee today. And all you have to do is make one short 10-minute call to take your business up a notch or bounce back from these difficult couple of years. Omega Accounting Solutions can help you recover any payroll tax overpayments you made during the pandemic. You may even be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute ERC consultation to determine if you qualify. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. They know their stuff so well that CPAs and payroll companies even turn to Omega for ERC tax guidance. Call 800-300-9ERC. That's 800-300-9ERC. 1-800-300-9ERC or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com.
Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we are taking you to Northern California, the Bay Area, as a matter of fact. We have the opportunity to talk to Rue Mapp. She's the founder of an organization called Outdoor Afro. She's also got a brand new book, Nature Swagger, that just dropped on Amazon and into bookstores around the nation. And we're going to talk about the topic of getting more black people into nature to enjoy everything that nature has to offer. Rue, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, Rue, you originally lived in Oakland. You live in the Bay Area now. Back in 2009, you came up with this idea of outdoor Afro. What inspired you? What is it all about? Well, you know, I just looked around and saw that I just didn't see enough people who were getting into the outdoors, represented in the popular magazines, the glossy magazines of the day, being in the outdoors as strong, beautiful, and free. And, you know, I had a background that was so incredible. My father was a true outdoorsman, and we had a hobby farm up in Northern California in Lake County. So I was raised with hunting and fishing and exploration of the local creek. And we often hosted like tons of people at our house from East Oakland and Richmond and our church. And so I had this front row seat to hospitality. And my dad had this famous saying, and that was, you have a standing invitation in nature. And so I sat down at my kitchen table in 2009 to really talk about that standing invitation that we all have in nature. And what I found really quickly was that there were people who had a love and connection with the outdoors, but their stories weren't being told. And so Outdoor Afro initially became a platform to tell a new narrative about what it meant to be connected to nature in many different ways. And It's since grown into a national not-for-profit organization. We now are in 30 states. We have north of 50 cities. And our participation network is 60,000 people who get out and hike and bike and camp. And we train volunteer leaders who are getting people out right in their own backyard. And the stories we hear about connections that may have been severed because people have relocated are, you know, really easily established again through our programming. And it's just been fantastic to see how many people have come online and said what they're already doing and are making commitments to do new things. Let me ask you a question, Rue, and that has to do with participation in the outdoors, activities like hiking and fishing. I live on the east slope of the Cascade Mountains in Washington State, do a lot of hiking in the Cascades, and I see a lot of people from the Seattle area in the Cascades. And obviously, there's a lot of black people that live in the Seattle area, but I very seldom see black hikers. I see Hispanic hikers. I see people of Indian descent and lots of white people. But I don't see a lot of of black people. And when it comes to fishing, again, lots of Hispanic people, especially in the the rural areas I fish and the rural areas they live in, and hunting, almost never see anybody. Is this a matter of just urbanization and they just don't have that connection to nature? Is this a lack of mentorship like you and I had growing up? What are some of the barriers that are keeping black people from getting into the outdoors? Well, I definitely think that you're onto something about proximity to opportunities, about mentorship. I had to re-enter hunting as an adult after, unfortunately, my father passed away and the uncles who were 
the ones leading the charge in that particular activity. It took a lot of effort to find a mentor, to learn everything that I needed to learn. But what I also will offer is that people are still getting out. And so when people tell me, hey, I'm not seeing black people out recreating in nature, my response is that you're not looking in the right places. And when you look at where people live, the concentration of where you see the population of Black people, they're actually getting out close to home. And I think a lot about busy working families and remote opportunities to get into the outdoors. The biggest barrier is time. If you work Monday through Friday, maybe on a weekend, you don't have leisure time that will allow you to drive three hours in one direction to go to a destination, it's not going to be as appealing as maybe having a cookout in your local park near where you live. And so I look at a place like Oakland, California, where there's a huge population paired with a really great opportunity to get out in nature in a place like Lake Merritt, the oldest wildlife sanctuary in the country, or in the hills where there are redwoods. So When you look at where people live, especially in the South, you absolutely see a higher number of people who are hunting, angling, because often those opportunities are just practically close to home. And so I invite people to get out of the places where you normally go and maybe to the population centers. And you'll actually see a lot more participation and participation that includes things that you might not consider are that important in outdoor activities like walking your dog or strolling a lake or a local trail or gardening on your patio. I mean, people are connecting in nature in so many different ways. And Outdoor Afro is here to include all of those ways that people connect with nature that makes sense in their day-to-day lives. So explain to me a little bit more about how Outdoor Afro does outreach to get people that have not experienced maybe, you know, time on the water in a canoe or time hiking a trail or camping out or maybe fishing, you know, how do you actually do that? Are you drawing people to your website, to your social media who may be interested, or are you actually reaching out and finding people and saying, hey, come join us. Let's go do this activity. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. We were born in social media back in 2009. So alongside that blog was also a Facebook page and a way for us to have that compelling invitation. And there's just something so wonderful about seeing people who look like you that it's like, oh my gosh, here's someone who looks like I do, and they're having a good time, and I can try it too. And that's why the visual representation is so important, because if you don't see it, you won't believe it. And I love affinity groups because I credit the Girl Scouts. When I was a little girl, even though my parents were outdoor-loving people, they weren't hikers or campers. They didn't buy the equipment at the outdoor retailer. I learned those things through the Girl Scouts, which was a community of young girls where we got to try out leadership, take risks, and feel safe in this group of people who had something really important in common to us. And so it's always, I think, great for folks to have groups of people, whether it's through your church or your workplace or any, you know, of the ways that you feel comfortable. Like when I became a new mom, I joined a new mom's group in the Bay Area because I knew I was going to get relevant 
information about resources and feel comfortable in that space. And so Outdoor Afro is really a compelling invitation. It's the hospitality that I learned from my father, that standing invitation. And I think of ourselves as like a patch in a quilt that's so specific, but it's stitched together with many other patches to make altogether a story of connection and ultimately everyone's connection to the outdoors. Rue, we only have a minute left. Please tell folks about your new book, Nature Swagger. Nature Swagger is a book with 30 contributors divided into sections that I've introduced that talk about my family's life, growing up in nature, all the things I've learned about myself and growing my organization. And it's got a wide range of experiences told through essays and beautiful photography of people from all over the United States who are finding their nature swagger, their confidence, their connection through everyday connections to nature in their lives that I hope will be that way of yet again inviting more people into the conversation and the welcoming that we want everyone to feel as it relates to the outdoors and everything that you can do in the outdoors. The more people that are in the outdoors, the better as far as I'm concerned, because number one, we all become stewards of the outdoors when we get to enjoy nature. And number two, it's just good for the soul. And folks, if you want to find out more about Outdoor Afro, go to their website, outdoorafro.org. Find out ways you can support this organization. And if you want to check out Nature Swagger, Rue Map's brand new book, you'll find it at bookstores and you'll also find it at amazon.com. Rue, thanks for sharing all of this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Before we wrap things up today, I'd like to welcome some new listeners tuning in to our show on KLIN AM 1400 out of Lincoln, Nebraska, and on WJAG AM 780 out of Norfolk, Nebraska. We really appreciate you coming on board, and I'm happy to announce we are now airing on over 130 stations in 32 states here in our great United States of America. Until next time, here's wishing you a happy Thanksgiving, hoping you get to spend it with family and friends, and hoping that you get to spend some time in nature, too. After all, it is your country and you're outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. (laughs) 